As Chad said, we're wrapping up our series on Galatians today, and it's been really good looking at this little book and how powerful the message is. The Apostle Paul, who was one of the forefathers of the, the early church, wrote this letter called Galatians, and the region of Galatia back then corresponds to modern-day Turkey, okay? And so he wrote them a letter because something had gone wrong in their churches, and he was just a little ticked off. I mean, the language we've been looking at for weeks, he's not just a little concerned. He's mad because these people were doing great in their church and in their uh, individual relationship to God through Jesus. But then these other people came along who told them, oh, Jesus is good, but you got to add laws and following all this stuff. And it began to bog them down and just suck the life out of them. Well, Paul heard about it and wrote him a letter, and it's been really, really strong these last five weeks as we've looked at what Paul had to say. In week one, Paul talked about the two brands of Christianity, the life-giving relationship with God-based Christianity that these people had started with, and then this law-keeping religion of Christianity, the religion-based Christianity. These others were trying to put on them. And we saw the important difference to understand is that God has called us to life, not death and bondage and legalism. Well, in week two, Paul gives us the secret of how to stay in the life and not get drug over into that legalism and that dead religion brand of Christianity. In week three, we saw Paul discuss a simple but great, rich Bible word called grace. And we talked about how grace is God giving us the strength, the ability to do what we need to do to obey him, to follow him, to live this wonderful life he's called us to live. In week four, we talked about the big truth that holds it all together, that one word relationship, understanding in as deep a way as possible that Christianity is not about the do's and don'ts. It's about God and your relationship with him that can grow stronger and stronger. Last week, we talked about living by the Spirit. We talked about the fact that I can live with an increasing awareness of God in my life. I can sense Him more and more and see more and more of His activity in my life as I learn to live by the Spirit. And so we looked at that last week and how living by the Spirit, walking by God's Spirit makes a huge difference in our life. Now today, well, let me back up. Throughout the series, so we've talked week after week about freedom from rule-keeping and legalism. We've looked at it in all sorts of ways, kind of like the facets of a diamond. You know, you turn it, and it looks a little different. Well, we've done that. Now we want to end the series by looking kind of the other side of the coin. Uh, we want to look at the responsibility that that freedom brings. So here's the responsibility. The, the, the responsibility that comes from the freedom that we get through Jesus is this. We find it in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Let's, let's kick it off. Share each other's burdens. Okay, stop there. Don't read the rest. Um, let, let me say right here, if you think the way I think, when I hear this, immediately my brain goes to share each other's burdens. Uh, there's a lot of people that have a lot of burdens, and it's not. there's no way in the world that I can help everybody do everything that they need, and uh, you know, every person I run into is going to want something from me, and you, know, you can just keep spiraling into that. Well, so the, I, I would just like to say that's not, that's not the heart of this. That, uh, let me read it to you this way. Share each other's, not everyone's, burdens, okay? God will put, uh, we believe God puts in your heart uh, love, 
and it reaches out to people. But it may, be, it may be for me to reach out to four people. It may be for you to, to, to love a thousand people, I mean, specifically and uh, uh, um, individually, you have that, that much of an influence. Well, whatever your influence is, that, that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to re- relay here. So don't immediately cut us out and say, oh, no, I can't help everybody, so I'm not going to help anybody. All right? We just want to do for some people what we wish we could do for everybody. Here we go. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey or fulfill or complete the law of Christ, the, the teaching of Jesus. To boil all that down, get involved with other people and love them. Get involved with other people and their lives and, and love them. Jesus established this new concept in John chapter 13. Here's what he said. A new command or a new teaching I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He's saying, hey, I've loved you guys. I want you to go love other people. Now, here's the cool part. When we experience God's love for ourselves, we'll want to share it with other people. Let me give you an example of that. Imagine your favorite breakfast taco stand. And imagine that you have just gotten the best breakfast taco of your entire life. And you eat that, and it's just, you know, it's from heaven. <laughs> and you, you go to work or you go about your day. What are you going to do? Here's what you're going to do. Uh, you're going to go to the first person you see, and you're going to be like, dude, I just had the most amazing breakfast taco. It's, it's over here at XYZ Place. It's the best one I've ever had in my life. You have to go try it. Now, and, then, and if you're really generous, you already bought one to give to them. Right, try it, try it. Here, just take a bite of mine. Take a bite of mine. You know, wh- whatever it is, you, it just comes out of you. Why? Because it was so great to you. It was something that was so good to you. Nobody had to tell you to, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to tell 10 people that this taco grows great. You don't, you don't need that. You just go and you tell them because it's coming from inside you. Well, that's, that, that's what we're talking about here. Love people. Now, I used to live on the other side of this. But what I mean by that, the opposite way of this. I have used people. Um, I know y'all haven't, but I have used people. I have um, I've judged people. Again, I, I know, I know. I'm the only one in the room that's done this, but just, just confessing things today because I've been out for a little while. Um, I have lived frustrated with people all the time, and that's usually, actually, that's a problem with me, not them. And I've looked down on people. None of these things are love people. None of them. But when I embrace Jesus, I'm free to love and serve other people, to, to really make a difference in their lives, not just look at them from, a, oh, I don't, they need to, and oh my gosh, the person's horrible, and I wish they would have, and why don't they? I don't look at them that way. I look at them as, hey, I want to give love to these folks. Here, I want you to try it. I, I want to kind of get you thinking the same way as me this morning. So first things first, I want you to glance around the room, to kind of just glance around and try to just quickly run your eyes over everybody in the room. Go ahead. Okay, so you got a picture of them now. Uh, now look back forward. It's important that you look forward for this part. Um, picture the person, one of the people that you saw that you don't really like very much. All right, you got them? Don't look back at them now, but just, you know, look this way. 
Um, now, you got them in your mind, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine yourself on purpose showing that person some love. Imagine yourself showing love from your heart to them. Whatever it is, you know, just you, you, you're showing the love to them. Imagine yourself doing that. Now, go ahead, imagine it. For, for many of you, you know what? That feels like, that felt pretty good. It feels right. Even though they may not deserve it, it has nothing to do with that. It's like, you know, it feels good for me to give something, to help someone, to, to love them. It, the, the reason is because that's the way God made you. God made us that way. And so that's why it feels right when we reach out and we love someone, when we purposefully try to help somebody. That's why you feel good when you do that. So let's, um, let's talk about kind of some practical ways we can do this and get to here in everyday life. In Galatians 6, 10, Paul says this to these guys. Paul said, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, yes, it says all people, but do you see what it says before that? As we have opportunity, that's the thing we're focusing on today, that you have opportunities in your life to love other people, to help other people, to reach out to other people. So let's break it down practically. How do I do this? How can I take advantage of opportunities? Number one, identify my sphere of influence. Identify my sphere of influence. In this, we're talking about just having awareness of the people God has put into your life because those people, God wants to use you to help them, to love them. You know, in Bay City, I cannot individually love and serve every person in this city, in this county. You can't either. But you know what? If we are all doing our part when we have opportunity, Ignite Church can make a huge impact in Bay City, in Matagorda County, because we have a mindset. We're here. We're being used of God to reach out, to love and to serve people. So the sphere of influence breaks down into three components. The first component is people, obviously. Who are the people that God's put into your life? Family members, close friends, fellow students, uh, fellow workers, whatever, neighbors. Who, who are the people God's placed in your life? Probably there may, there's more people than you would think of. When I was thinking about this this week, I was like, well, these are my family. and There's my neighbors that I, I have some friendship with and in the community. And it just added and added and added. I think that's true for most people that you've got a bunch of folks in your life, that God could give you that opportunity to love them, to do good for them. So that's people. The second thing is place. God has placed you in places where he wants you to be ready to take advantage of that opportunity. Your workplace, if you're a student, school, your neighborhood, whatever, uh, H-E-B is a mission field. you know that? I mean, every time I go to H-E-B, there's just people there, and I talk, and it takes forever to get out, and it's great because it's a place that I've learned to be a little more sensitive to people there, okay? So that's the place. And then the third is passion. We all have passions in our life, things that we give ourselves to. You're passionate about this hobby or this activity, whatever. And there's people with you when you do that. You share that common bond of that passion and they could be an opportunity for you to love them. Uh, some of the passions that come to mind, uh, the first one that always comes to mind because they're so crazy 
And I don't know why they think self-inflicted pain is a good thing, but that's the CrossFit guys. I mean, they work out, you know, no pain, no gain, and uh, no, got to have a lot of pain to have a little gain. You know, that, that's kind of their, their motto. Well, those guys work out together, and they get to know each other, and that could be a real place of opportunity for somebody to reach out and befriend somebody and to love somebody. I play golf. When I go there, I meet the employees at the golf course a lot and talk to them and try to build a relationship. It's a place God could use me and my passion to reach out. And uh, if I take Chad, I always win, but that's okay. He, he, uh, he's a lot stronger. Anyhow, uh, some other things that are passions. Some people are passionate about volunteering in the community. I volunteer in uh, one of our schools and boy, I, I go and, I, and I, I give some time regularly there, but man, there's some people who just live there. And you, when you talk to them, you realize this is a passion for them of volunteering and serving our community by volunteering in the school. Of course, there's other places that you're volunteering in our community. That's a place where your passion can be used by God when there's an opportunity to love somebody. So God gives you your life, your place, your people, your passions. He, he sets that so he can give you opportunities as you just go about your life. This uh, man moved to a new community, and he was a Christian guy, and he cared about people. But after a while, he got overwhelmed just looking around. There was so much need, every kind of need you can imagine. It was just everywhere. It was a really hurting, needy city. And so this guy was praying about it one day, and, and he was just feeling so overwhelmed and overburdened. He said, God, what are you going to do about this? And he knew sometimes in prayer you listen, right? It's a two-way conversation. So he got quiet and was just trying to see if God might speak to his heart. And he heard what he thought was God speaking to his heart by saying, I'll tell you what I'm going to do to reach this community. I'm going to use you. I want to use you. I want to start with you, and it'll grow. That's how we are. That's how we are to God. So, who are the people in your life, in your sphere of influence? Who are those guys? What are the places in your life where you regularly interact with the same people? What are the passions in your life, things that you do on a regular basis with people? What are those? Can you identify those things, those people, places, and passions? And even more importantly, have you been trying to be used by God, asking God to give you opportunity to love them? So the second thing, how can I make a difference you know, in, in the lives of people? You, you meet them in their place of need. I read it a while ago, Galatians 6, 2. Share each other's burdens. Now, Ed mentioned that, well, he didn't actually mention us, but me and my, my family, my family more so than me, but uh, does CrossFit. So it's, it's one of the things we do to exercise and, and things like that. Well, I brought, these are heavy for me, by the way. Uh, um, I brought these kettlebell. I want to show you something. So we go in, let's say I go in one day, and the workout is written on the board where we go, and, and let's, there, there's, a, there's a movement called farmer's carry, which is kind of what I was just doing. It, it's you're carrying two things like this while you walk. That's all it is, except they're heavy. And sometimes there might be something on, on the board that says, farmers carry 400 meters. So imagine one lap around the track, 400 meters. And immediately when I see that, something comes into my mind. I think, please, God, let this be a partner workout. 
because I know, you know eat, eat, these, are for, these are 70 pounds each, and I know that there's no way I'm going to carry this around the block without stopping several times, without my arms starting to hurt and burn, and usually, you know, I'm done, you're done like this, and I know that I won't be able to wash my hair later because my arms <laughs> don't want to work, you, you know, I know this. And so I'm like, please, and then they keep reading, and if it says partner workout, like, yes. Why is that? Well, let me show you why. Because if I'm doing this, and I'm walking, well, this is going to get heavy, and if I do this too much, I'm going to start sweating. But if I have a partner, <laughs> now we're walking around the block. I'm going to tell you something, 35 pounds on this arm is a lot better than 70. So now, hey, I'm going to make it further. It gives me some hope that I can make it, and then it's because I know if I get tired, well, then I'm going to do this, and he gets to carry more of it. Now, I, now, 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 I'm feeling, you know, hey, this is, this is helpful. Would you rather do this with a partner? Yes, of course you would. Thank you, sir. <laughs> carry or share each other's burdens. You see, it's very helpful. It gives me hope if I know. If I know that somebody else is going to be doing this with me, that they're going to carry and pick up the weight when sometimes it might be too heavy for me, I have hope. If not, all I have is dread. It's like, man, I think I need to go home. <laughs> I think some, please somebody call me so I don't have to do this. You know, um, share each other's burdens. People that you know in the places that you go that are doing some of the same, have some of the same passions that you do, you know what? These folks have burdens. Some of them have practical burdens, practical weights. You know, they, they, don't know how, they, they need help fixing their lawnmower because they don't know how to do it. And so maybe you can do that or some sort of practical, physical thing. Other people have emotional burdens. They, they need somebody to talk to. They need a friend to listen to what they're saying. Maybe give them some advice or at the very least point them to somebody that has good advice, knows what they're going through. Some people need that type of thing. There's others that have kind of, uh, it's kind of emotional but relational burdens. Their life is just a mess. I mean, their, their relationships are falling apart. They, they don't know what to do and their things are going crazy and they need somebody to share the burden with them and grab hold of that weight with them and help them along the way. Sharing people's burdens fulfills something inside of you. Inside of you. So, I mean, again, we, we go and we do these workouts, and sometimes part of the culture of that is, well, if I've got, um, I'm dying, you know, and I've got, I've got 10, more, 10 more reps of whatever this movement is to go, and I'm not going to make it, somebody else might say, here, I'll do five of them for you. It wasn't even really a partner workout, but they just said, hey, I can see that you're about to go down, and so let me, let me, let me help you a little bit. That's amazing, and what happens when you do that, very, most of the time, it's that people doing that for me. Very few times is it me doing that for somebody else, because I'm usually behind, and they're already done, but the few times I've been able to, it's like, you know, that felt good helping that person. It, it felt good me helping them carry some of their weight and some of their load. And the reason is because God made us that way. He made us to share each other's burdens and give people hope instead of dread. Now, here's Jesus kind of giving you a really good picture of what he thinks about this. 
Matthew 25, 40. This is Jesus talking. I will tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, if you gave somebody some water or you, you gave them a coat, I mean, just he's talking about little bitty things. Whatever you did for them, you did it for me. No matter what, no, no act of love, no matter how small, is insignificant to God. They are all very important. So this is something we can do. How do we make a difference in people's lives? We meet them in their place of need. Here, here's the third thing. How do I make a difference? We point them to Jesus and his church. Here's why. Psalm 92. Let's read this. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow like, like strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they're transplanted to the Lord's own house. We'll stop there for a second. The people that we love on purpose and we introduce to God and we share, uh, we share this freedom we've been talking about these last few weeks and we, we you know, it's like the, the best taco we ever had. Like, hey, you guys, you got to experience this because my life is better than it's ever been. I, this has been amazing. And so the people that we talk to about that and you introduce them to God and you introduce them to, to uh, his church and his people, it's they get to be planted in somewhere new where they grow, where, there's, where they're actually being fed. The palm trees back in that day, they're, they're a thing of beauty. They were used for a lot of stuff. The, you know, have, have you ever seen cedar? It's a beautiful wood. And it has a, cedar has a presence about it, doesn't it? When you walk, if you walk into somewhere and there's a cedar furniture, you're like, oh, that's cedar. You know, and you, you know because you know, cedar's a wood that doesn't really rot. And it, it, there's very, it has very special properties. And, and by the way, if you burn it, it crackles really cool, but then you don't want to burn it because it's a beautiful wood, but I've done it. Um, when you introduce people to Jesus and you, you bring them into, into his church, it, it improves and blesses their lives. Let's keep reading at the result. When that happens, they flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green the people that we have been loving and we love on purpose, we get them plugged into Jesus, plugged into his church, they get to flourish. It's kind of like a garden. You know, there, there's the, the really the brown, dirty, ugly garden that's not living and nobody, you just mow over it. Or, or there's the garden that is very well kept and it's growing, the leaves are green and the fruit, uh, the, the, the vegetables, the different colors and you get to pick them and eat them and, it, and it's just a, a life-giving thing. Well, when you introduce people, to Jesus, and you get them plugged into his church, this happens. And, and they get to even, no matter how old they are, they can still produce fruit. Ed has a chance. Doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been there. Welcome back, Thank bro. you, I thank you, thank you. you. Really missed um, you, man. You can produce fruit. It's, a, it's an amazing blessing to people's lives. Ultimately, when we love others, they're going to love others too because you gave them the taco. This is the best taco ever. They're going to taste it. Oh my gosh, this is the best taco ever. Then they have some friends that they're going to tell about. It's, it's just an amazing thing. So you and I, loving and serving people, end up loving and serving people who will in turn love and serve other people. And these, are, these things we're talking about are some of the ways that you and I can make a difference in people's lives. So... What do we need inside of us to do this, to make a difference in somebody's life, to really show them some love? Well, I want to suggest one word today. We need confidence to make a difference. Confidence. 
the ability to go for it, the ability to try something, that confidence that you can step out and do something. God might use you. We also need confidence just in our own lives to have that significant life God wants us to have as well as make a difference in the life of somebody else. Now, we're going to look at somebody in the Bible here for a minute and look at how he is such an amazing example of confidence. Our guy is King David, his story is in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at one of the more famous stories about King David when he was a young, young man, maybe even a teenager still. This was the story of when he killed a giant named Goliath. Now, here's the background. David's a young man. He's not old enough to really serve in the army, but he's the youngest of the family, so he spends his time out in the hills taking care of his dad's sheep herds while his brothers, who are older, are in the army, okay? So the brothers are away at the war, and David's at home. But then his dad says, hey, David, uh, I want you to go check on your brothers. Here, take them some supplies. So David uh, loads up, saddles up, and heads to the battle. And he goes out there, and he, I can just imagine him coming up on the donkey, and, and all he sees is the two armies on two sides of like a valley. And he's thinking... Where's the battle? Why aren't they fighting? And so he gets there and he says, what is up? And they start to tell him what was up. That every morning, this huge, over nine feet tall, giant Goliath would come out from the Philistine army and challenge them and say, hey, let's don't have our two whole armies fight. Let's just have two guys fight. I will fight for our side. If y'all beat us, or if your guy beats me, we'll be your slaves. If somebody, come on, somebody come at me, be our slaves. So every day he would come out and say, send me somebody. Come on, somebody come at me. And the Israelites are thinking, the boy's over nine feet tall. I'm not, I don't want any part of that. And so this goes on for days. Every morning, Goliath comes out come at me, and nobody will do it. They're terrified. So David hears about this. He starts asking questions. Well, what's the king saying? I'm, I'm sure the king is trying to entice somebody to go out and fight that guy, and what will be done? And they start to say, well, the king has said he's going to do this and that and the other for whoever does that. And so because David was showing such interest, word gets to King Saul, who is the king of the Israeli army, right? And so the king sends for David. And so David comes up to meet King Saul, and they start to talk, and Saul basically just dismisses him. When he sees him, he's like, really? I mean, you're, you're a skinny runt kid. Really? You, you, you want a piece of Goliath? And then David responds. Let's look at what David says. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock... I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The kid's offended, isn't he? I mean, he is just mad that Goliath is getting away for this offense he's bringing, this disrespect he's bringing to who David calls the army of the living God. David saw what was really going on. So he goes on. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. Talk about confidence. 
Here he is, a very young man, and he's telling the king, I can do this. I can do this. He is so full of confidence. Let's talk about then where this confidence comes from based on what David just said. First off, the source of his confidence was based on his past successes. He's telling the king, hey, you may not know this, but I've been killing really big animals by bare hand for a while now. I have had success. I have had past successes. God has helped me to protect my dad's herds of sheep and goats, and I have killed those huge, fierce animals. So a past success can be a real, real boost to our confidence. If you've been living in a relationship with God for very long, probably you had some experiences where God came through. You, you were faced with a challenge and felt like you needed to do something, but you weren't sure, and you prayed and prayed and felt like, okay, God wants me, wants me to do this. I'm going to step out, and it worked. He may have been uh, asking you to reach out to a newcomer at work and, and try to be a friend there, and, you know, I ask him to go on a coffee break with you or if you can help him at work, something like that, and that's not you. You're not normally kind of bold like that, but you did it. And they're like, sure, yeah, yeah. And, and over time, that's become a really meaningful relationship, especially for the other guy. So past successes, when we've done things in our past and see God come through, we can just think about those things and say, yeah, yeah, God's, God's come through in the past. I'm looking to see him do it here in the present. So the next source is we get confidence simply straight from God. So David was looking to the past, okay, saying, in the past, God has come through. I've succeeded. But in the present, he's telling the king, in the future, I'll succeed too. He said very clearly, I will defeat this Philistine. I will kill him. I will win this battle for us. So he's looking to the future, and I just see the confidence in his heart, just welling up. He's thought of his past. He's told the king, I can do this, and he's trusting God. So there's times that God wants to just release some confidence in you to take a step, to do something, to take a friend to lunch, to meet a need like, like Chad talked about earlier. As we start to do this and start to step out a little bit confidently trying to love and serve people, we'll start to get more and more success stories too. Yeah, man, last year I had this new neighbor move in and we went over there and I just, you know, tried to help and it just, man, we're close now and I can just see he is what I talked about earlier. He's an opportunity to do good. There's a place, there's somebody I can love and serve. Success stories. God wants us to all have some success stories. Okay, y'all stand. We're going to pray. After we pray, I want to uh, mention to you that we'll have prayer teams up here by the stage to your right and left. And also, I want to remind guests, if you filled out that Connect card for us, if you please take it by that guest card outside, we'd like to give you that gift as our way of saying thank you. Okay, let's pray. I want to start this prayer moment doing what I told you a little while ago that man did in the story when he was overwhelmed. He, he listened to God. And so I want to invite you just to join me in some listening to God. And I'm going to pray that God speaks to our heart and mind right now. Lord, we know you want to use us to make a difference. We know you could give us confidence and success stories to do it. So right now, Lord, we say, who are the people in my life 
Who are the people I'm connected to that I could love? Lord, who are the people in my places, work, neighborhood? Who, who are those people in those places? Lord, those people that I see that have the same passion I do about this hobby, this activity, Lord, those, those people there, they could be an opportunity. Who, who do you want me to try to reach out to? Who do you want me to try to love? Lord, who do you want me to love? In my places and my passions, who are the people? Bring them to mind right now. Thank you that you're speaking to us. You're bringing people to our mind, their faces. Lord, this week, we, we can't do anything to make a difference in our life, but we know you can through us if we'll just confidently take a step. So, Lord, this week, show us what you said in your word that we will have an opportunity to do good, to love somebody. Show us this week. Help us be aware of that opportunity to love and serve somebody. Father, I pray you bless these folks this week with a sense of mission. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.